What are you ever going to learn about growing up, huh? I'm trying to. Well, you're a little late. Why didn't you ask them instead of making me look like an idiot with that bowl of milk? You're a coward. Oh, I'm not. And I'm a coward. Plain and simple. <laughs> I'm not. I don't blame you for hiding in your study. I don't want to hide there with you. I, I can't anymore. Episode 39 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to visit us at our website at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Uh, you can also listen to us on Stitcher on the Stitcher app if you uh, hit the link on our webpage. Uh, this week, our film is the controversial Sam Peckinpah uh, masterpiece, some say, Straw Dogs. Uh, yeah, it's up there. Uh, we really argued quite a bit whether we should do Straw Dogs or uh, the, the Wild, Wild Bunch. Bunch. Um, I was sort of pushing for Straw Dogs because it was, I think, more controversial. Yeah, I, I think it's good uh, and, conversation fodder. Um, and this was a tough movie, so I don't know if I made the right choice. Uh, I think it was a great. I, I think it was, it was a great, a great choice it was and a good movie. Watch right, it was a tough watch. Um, uh, as far as the movie, uh, Sam Peckinpah examines the instinctual capacity for violence in his controversial 1971 film, loosely based on the novel The Siege of Trencher's Farm. Uh, to avoid the Vietnam-era social ch- chaos in the U.S., American in in the U.S., American mathematician David Sumner, played by Dustin Hoffman, moves with his British wife Amy, played by Susan George, to the isolated Cornish town where she grew up but their presence provokes antagonism among the village, village's men. As the hostilities escalate from routine bullying uh, to the gang rape of his wife, David finds his pacifist self backed into a corner. When the hooligans attack the house, David finally resorts to the gruesome violence that he abhors. Yeah, I guess he does. I mean, people say he's a pacifist. I think he is just a coward. Well, there's, he never makes the you know, well, pronouncement. That, that he's, he's a pacifist. A, yeah, so... No. I mean, I guess maybe that the hunting scene is supposed to show that, but uh, that's for another matter. That's another matter, I so guess. So, I guess uh, we'll do a little background yeah. of the film. Uh, Sam Peckinpah, I've seen, I believe, one other film of his, uh, not The Wild Bunch, strangely. I need to see that, but uh, uh, I want to say The Iron Cross, and I mentioned that last film, uh, in our last film review. Have you seen any other Peckinpah? Uh, I don't think I've seen any, any other ones, no. Um, <laughs> to say Sam had some demons, I think, is an understatement. Oh, really? He, well, he was a, um, uh, I guess, uh, pretty hardcore drunk uh, alcoholic for most of his life. And um, uh, I guess that uh, made him an interesting person to work with. Um, I don't have much of his background here, but... Uh, well, he certainly has a fascination with violence. Well, that's sort of his hallmark, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what uh, people uh, know Sam Peckinpah for, is his stylized violence, I guess, in, in sort of the slow motion uh, depictions of violence. Yeah, sort we of saw a, it here, but it seems like it was pretty um, reserved. Um, he kept it to some pretty distinct moments. Yeah, and some other kind of hallmarks are dilated action sequences. So the time, uh, the time in the action isn't necessarily kept with the what would you would consider sort of the average pace of action. Huh. I guess I don't quite follow that. Um, kind of comes with the slow slow motion type stuff, mm. and I don't know. Uh, I almost kind of view it as uh, I've seen the Iron Cross. It's more like uh, what I would consider like role-playing combat. You and I used to play role-playing games back in the day. You know? Oh, there's more. There's there's pauses in the action that probably wouldn't be there. 
and right. consider the situation. Yeah, like we uh, we uh, we used to play. I don't know what what. So I played Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk by yeah, R.S. Yeah. Talsoran. It's actually a pretty yeah. good game. And then, um, did you ever play Top Secret with us? No, no. I, I think I watched you guys play a couple times. So, uh, if you're role-playing these games, you would kind of go along with the story and you'd mm-hmm. you know, have these sort of character interactions. And then there would be periods of... Action. Action and combat. Well, there was a lot of calculations that had to happen. Right, and so then the and whole... There was lots of- Lots of arguments over exactly what could happen at any particular moment. So you'd have like 20 minutes of actual kind of role playing, and mm-hmm. my character goes up to this person and says yeah, this. Yeah, and then NPCs. you'd have like an hour and a half of a like, gunfight. A gunfight, which took maybe like five minutes. In the well, I think entire... he actually would calculate it. Like somebody would do just an insane amount of things, but the actual time that passed was three seconds. Right. So Because you got some lucky rolls and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so maybe an extreme. Analogy of for, time dilation. Of time dilation, but <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a pretty extreme dilation. Uh, it was yeah, a like hundredfold dilation or more. Right. So uh, you know that's kind of drifting away, I guess, from filmmaking here. But uh, yeah, the the that's sort of uh, I People guess do seem to pause in their fights a fair amount in this movie. Yeah. Um. Well, but you know, I don't know. I guess I guess I didn't really. It didn't seem out of place to me. Uh, this was his first non-western. That he directed. Yeah, he uh, really grew up in that Western canon, including television. I and think. he was also known as sort of a, a revisionist when it came to Westerns. And I don't quite know what that means no, because I, I haven't seen his Western films. But now I'm intrigued. I'm not really a big Western guy. Um, I'm not either. But uh, there are the... Um, well, we did do Good, Bad, and the Ugly in, this, uh, in, in our podcast, um, which is sort of... Uh, non-typical, and I would say that uh, probably the Wild Bunch is non-typical as well. Mm. Um, so, um, I, so kind of. I mean, unfortunately, I don't have like a peck and pause uh, kind of life story here. But uh, um, as far as this film goes, uh, I guess he was alienated from Warner, Warner Brothers um, and had a limited number of directing jobs. So he was basically kind of forced to do a 180. Uh, with his typical, uh, I guess, his typical Western-themed films, mm. and uh, had to travel to Europe to direct Straw Dogs. And so um, it was produced by... That's one reason he picked that locale. Uh, well, it was kind of like what he had left. To, I mean, that was kind of all he had left to direct at the time. That was okay. his only option. Uh, so uh, the producer, Daniel Melnick, had... Uh, worked on a film of his uh, they'd worked together on a film called Noon Wine and I don't know what that one's about hmm. um, anyway so uh, for, as far as casting goes um, there was quite a few people up for the role um, before they of uh, David? yeah before they down selected to Dustin Hoffman um, I'm trying to look at some of the, the other names here uh, Bo Bridges. Oh, really? Stacy Keach. Hmm. I it's hard to think of an early '70s Stacy Keach. Keach. Huh. What what he would look like back then? No idea. Uh, Sydney Poitier. Sydney Poitier. Yeah, well, black. that would have been an interesting play on things. Ah, uh, that would have made for an odd uh, social commentary. I think beyond the 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 what we're treated to here. That could have been very interesting. Yeah, but it would have been muddled in more of sort of a. Uh, like racism. They'd have to put thing. some of that in the film because I think the, the characters of the, the sort of rowdy locals yeah. would certainly take advantage of that. Yeah, so that that's definitely a, a very odd uh, choice. Jack Nicholson, who I think was probably being stretched a million different ways uh, in the early 70s yeah, for know. roles. I'm not, I'm, Jack's all right. I don't know if he would. I think he might have detracted a little bit. He's a little too hard-edged. I think yeah, Dustin he can Hoffman, put on the crazy too quickly. And uh, Dustin Hoffman, he, he just is so torn. He really expresses that really nicely in this uh, Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Donald Sutherland probably could have done a pretty darn good job. Uh, so, yeah, actually, I think that that would probably would have been the best uh, out of out of all those choices. Um, but um, Dustin Hoffman was chosen. Uh, Dustin Hoffman admits that he did basically do this film for money, which I thought was sort of interesting. Oh, was he not proud of this film? Uh, you know, I strangely didn't know, I, I didn't know this was in Dustin Hoffman's, uh, canon of films. I didn't know that he, uh, was in a Peckinpah film. Mm. And, uh, I strangely had heard of Straw Dogs, 
I think Will had talked about it a few times, but uh, I don't really remember um, too much about it. Straw Dogs apparently comes from uh, the Tao Te Ching. That, um, oh, yeah, I was wondering where it came from. I never looked it up. That likens the ancient Chinese ceremonial straw dog to forms without substance. So, hmm. <coughs> which is, I, I was trying to do some research what on What does that mean? Straw dogs. And straw dogs, they were, oh, uh, it's, I'm going to get this all kind of muddled and wrong, I'm sure. But straw dogs are something that are used in some kind of festival, okay. I assume associated with Tao Te Ching. Uh, where they make these dogs, and um, I forget what they do. They're like used in some sort of ceremony. They're set on fire. Oh, it's sort of an effigy of. of yeah, something. they're an effigy. Do they supposed to, they supposed to be inhabited by a particular spirit or something? Well, the, the whole thing is is that you do things to these straw dogs in the ceremony, whether you like kind of beat them up or dismember them like a mm-hmm. pinata or burn them or and then th- you know throw them around. But they're not. Uh, the, 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 they're. The straw dogs themselves are indifferent to the actions that you're, that you're, um, I guess, directing towards them. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're. Oh, is that supposed to be <sighs> Dustin Hoffman's character? No, it's mostly. It's it's supposed to be more of the, uh, I guess the. The, the gang of five that are the... the They're the straw prote- dogs? Yeah, to a point. And I, the only oh. thing I can think of is, is um, you know, when Sam Peckinpah was, uh, I guess, working through the screenplay, um, the, the siege at Trencher's Farm was what it was based off of. But he took... Um, he kind of rewrote it after, uh, I guess, reading a couple of books by uh, Robert Ardry. One's called African Genesis and the other one's Territorial Imperative, which argues that man was essentially a carnivore who instinctively battles over control of territory. Okay. So, I, you know, kind of describing man as an animal that it's almost, this is almost like what we're watching is a, uh, I, I want to call it like a, um, almost like you're watching a, Richard Attenborough nature program where oh. you have sort of, uh, uh, you know, whether it's uh, chimpanzees or, or lions or something, some some beast uh, protecting its coital turf mm-hmm. and being encroached upon by, you know, circling uh, beta males or whatever yeah. you want to yeah, call yeah, them. Yeah, no, I, I, see what you're, I see what you're saying. And so they do what they're going to do. And it's sort of... Uh, they all do what they're going to do. They're all going to do what they're going to do. And it's almost, uh, you know, because the problem that I think and why this movie garnered a lot of controversy, um, excuse me, uh, I think is because, you know, in our modern society, we we take for granted that we're liberated from nature. Uh, significantly liberated from nature. Well, I guess David's character is like that. He's he's a he's a philosopher, right? Not an animal, right? And he tries very hard to remain in this world of philosophy and deny the world of the animal. I mean, he's always set opposite these more, I don't know, natural characters, the the natives of that of that small town. Uh, I mean, they act on their baser instincts all the time. I mean, there's violence. The whole group, you know, the uncle or the sort of the, the patriarch. Is that Tom? That's Tom. Right. And then, and then you got like the three or four guys right. that are his subordinates. Yeah. And uh, they all really act on their, you know, remember the first time we see Tom? He gets really violent oh, yeah. in the bar. Yeah. He yeah. breaks the glass, cuts the bartender's hand. And for some reason, like the villagers, everybody's sort of frightened of them, which I guess really sort of states their male, their beta male status. Right. As the fact that they're sort of dominant over everybody else even even the the uh police officer uh major scott yeah um yeah major scott has to kind of manage it's sort of a natural order it's more of natural law that depending on your status in the society you can uh you can get away you basically you're forgiven for anything and then all of a sudden uh david comes in as a sort of an out of territory alpha male basically mating the 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 most I mean, the first first shot of the movie oh, is uh, is Amy's Christ. Amy's tits poking through a thin sweater. Yeah, no. I mean, I think he's really hitting you over the head that a little that all the guys. I mean, and everybody's dressing her down with their eyes. The oh, first yeah. time we see uh, 
what's the main hooligan's name? I forget his uh, name. Charlie. Is yeah, that, the first it, time we see Charlie, I mean, he's just looking her up and down. Uh, so, yeah, um, Charlie Venner, played by Adele Henney, is mm. uh, Susan George, who is, uh, uh, or Amy, is David Sumner's wife, but he had, he, he was basically Amy's boyfriend in the well, village. Amy's coming back from some time abroad. Right. Yeah, and, I don't know, it doesn't really say, I think Venner always, Charlie always wanted uh, to mate basically, if we're going to keep with this animal analogy, well, Amy. No, 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 they had a sexual, uh, uh, implied sexual relationship Yeah, may or maybe this. not. I don't think the movie was really clear on they, whether it, or not. Uh, definitely, he pined for her. Well, I think they had a relationship. I'm just going to go throw that Possibly. in there. So, uh, anyway, but, um, so the David character, let's get into him a little bit, David Sumner. He's an ass, actually, he's an astrophysicist. He's also sort of an asshole. Uh, he, uh, he's a... Uh, Studying the structures and stellar interiors. Um, actually, I was uh, when the equation that Amy changes up on his blackboard. Yeah, yeah. Do you, was that actually you know, a real equation? I was yeah, wondering about that. I, I wrote down at the time gravitational force equations uh, on the chalkboard, but uh, then I read somewhere that they're actually uh, some of Einstein's general relativity field equations or something like that. So okay. you know, it kind of goes with the territory. Hmm. And it's sort of funny. I didn't expect them to be anything. He's an astrophysicist, and so... Uh, stellar interiors. I mean, that's a hot area of research. It still continues to be. Pun, uh, pun intended. I'm just kidding. Ba-doom-boom. Nah. All right. Uh, well, it's, uh, I've, uh, I went to grad- graduate school with astrophysicists. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what's funny is, is I watched The Big Bang Theory. Oh God! I can't watch that show. Those really, you can't are so watch annoying. the big. Yeah, really? Oh yeah. It's... Why? Really? They just seem they seem so two dimensional. Dude, it's a sitcom. Yeah, I guess you're right. Come on, name, name like a really three dimensional, fleshed out uh, sitcom character. Um, George Costanza. Oh. Really? Yeah. Okay. Seinfeld's sort of a in a realm all by itself. Um, <clears throat> well, the funny thing is, is like, okay, so it's almost. It's almost as if David Sumner is a bit of a caricature of what Hollywood think thinks is an astrophysicist. Because I, I, I go to school with astrophysicists, and they're not like the geeky guys that you see in, in uh, Big Bang Theory. Oh, I mean... They're not, they're not caricatures of nerds. Look, and they're not, you know... Scientists are... I mean, if you, I mean, you've been in academia, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this probably have been in academia... Scientists are just like everybody else. There's, exactly. There's like nice guys. Else. There's a whole lot of assholes. Yeah. You know, there's people that are, are outgoing, and there's people that are introverted. It's right. Just, almost if you went anywhere, you'll find the characters. you got guys that, you know, they're more, they're sort of like uh, got a piece of straw in their mouth, and there's guys that, right. uh, you know, they just go to the opera. Yeah, I knew, I knew, like, I knew astrophysicists just used to get drunk and get in bar fights and yeah, shit. Used to, like, you know, have a girlfriend a month. And Whether yeah. or not you have aptitude for the sciences is independent of any other aspect of your personality. So I always, Absolutely independent. So quality. I always find it a little bit, I don't know, suspect when you get well, you know, this they, depiction. There's sort of a dark backstory that they, they're not clear on. Something happened in the States that he got a... He got a grant to do some private study, it sounds like. Yeah, he got a grant. Do and, some mathematical. He's a theoretical astrophysicist. Right, so a grant basically is like, you know, here's, I don't know, whatever the going rate for a scientist's salary mm-hmm. was back in 1971. Um, go off and, you know, hopefully publish. But and, he's, he's strictly theoretical. Yeah, physicist. yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a with, bunch of data he's pouring over. He's strictly doing mathematical models, and by hand too. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of the way he had of to course, do it. Of course, you know, he could probably be on the phone and sending things back and forth to assistants to run models elsewhere. But there's something dark happened back in the states. He's running away from something. Well, and that's something the thing. happened, and and they never go into it. But he's sort of poked by his wife, which he's sort of. They have a weird, testy relationship. So she, she pokes him about him running away from a problem, like he, like he had a a fight within his field, his academic field or something, or maybe uh, he was he left university instead of fighting for his position. Or well, something along those lines. well, no, I, I, well, okay. So, so I guess as much of a backstory as um, I didn't really pick up on this in the film, but uh, it just says a timid mathematician leaves the chaos of a college anti-warp protests. I mean, were, well, were college anti-war pro- protests like going to Watts every day? I don't. I don't well, I, I didn't know, hear. I, I didn't. I didn't catch that. It may have been some of the dialogue was a little tough to catch. 
Yeah. Maybe she said something about that. I, thought, I had the feeling there was something. I could he was he was running away from. He got an opportunity to run away. Okay, so the other thing is is um why why did she hook up with him? Why did she marry this guy? That was the one question I kept pondering in my head. I mean well they did have actually sort of a fun relationship. You saw some bright sides of it when they're sort of she's sort of childlike. She's sort of uh Well she's a little bit of a a compliment to him. They're sort of opposites to a certain extent. She's a little more fiery. Uh, that's but, it's one of the complaints that Dustin Hoffman had about the film yeah. was that he felt that uh, they didn't belong that, together. Yeah, that that Amy was too young, and that it was more of a Lolita type relationship. Really, she didn't seem that young. Well, the thing they is, were both is in their twenties. Uh, well, actually, uh, Susan George was like twenty at the time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Dustin Hoffman was thirty-five. So it may okay. have been just perception. Maybe she was. She what did she do? She played chess. He didn't really see her do anything else. She might have been like a student of his. In that's mathematics and astrophysicist? She could have just been an undergrad. Oh, okay. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't seem it be inappropriate. And to be quite honest, you really can't make heads or tails with why certain people are together. You know, everybody's got their little switches in their head. And people just end up together, sort of sort of beyond their control. Except for, I mean, except for he, he got a pretty hot wife. Boy, did he. For being sort of a nerdy dude. Yeah. I don't know but quite that how that worked. Um, well, okay. Well, we'll, we'll probably talk into talk about more of the dynamics when we get to the more um uh, i guess uh visceral parts of this film um all right so okay yeah it, i guess it, that relationship could have happened that's the only part that seemed a little bit um out of sorts because uh he, he, well they had their problems and i'm not saying this marriage would have worked out i think it might have been a first marriage where they get divorced eventually but, uh, there's been an instance in their past where he needed to man up and he didn't at some and point they ran away Back to her old family And estate. I don't know quite what, you know, to just, I guess, speculate on what that incident would be, why you would need to, uh, you know, what it was that would, what, what his previous... There could have been anything, anything where conflict came up, and he had an easy out. Right. Because he's a, he is a coward. Yeah, he's a huge coward. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's in a incredibly unlikable person. I put that down here. I was like, I, I, he's unlikable, insecure, uh, uptight. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, he's passive-aggressive. And Peckinpah, actually, he makes a, he made the statement that, that David is the villain of this film. He's the villain? He is the villain of this film. Now, you can kind of dice mean, that comment in the way they, which the way. way who he's protecting at the end during the siege? <sighs> no. Uh... Villain, I think you have to think about that less from a uh, typical story standpoint. And he does more... threaten to break his wife's neck at one point. Uh, I don't. Th- and that's not what I don't think. That's what Peckinpah's getting at when he says he's the villain. He certainly mishandles things. But it seems like everybody in that town's a fucking retard. Yeah, you don't get a lot of uh, high IQ points in that town. Yeah. Well, you have David Warner. And it's great seeing David Warner. Yeah, David like. Warner has a great as sort of the the giant idiot. Right. That he's basically, it looks like he's, you know, he's mentally retarded. Yeah. And maybe there was some problem where he, like, I think fondled he raped a schoolgirl. Yeah, I don't maybe. think he raped anybody. He probably just, like, he did was, something where he's the not allowed to be around, another, like, kids. kids. Yeah, my guess is he probably, like, uh, you know, did something inappropriate with a kid. But yeah. He's sort of like a man-child, but literally, not just like the way we use it these days. He's literally is... He's not smart enough. He's like he doesn't that, quite understand um, the world. Of mice and men character. Yeah. yeah. That's like, well, I mean, he strangles that one, uh, like, 15-year-old girl, or how, or how old she is. The local harlot, or whoever Yeah, she what is. is with all the... Why is, it, why is everybody wearing, showing so much a leg? That, like, girl that walks around that, uh, that uh, ends up getting killed. She's always like wearing these really high shorts and walking around with heels. Dude, on. that's the way shit is in uh, in village life. And in she's Britain. one of Tom's kids. Uh, he, they call they yeah. call. He's like she's always hanging out with her brother. Like when they're hanging out around the estate, like looking at uh, through the windows at uh, Amy and David uh, having sex. Yeah, that's her and her brother because they call they both call Tom dad. Oh, okay. And he says, look after your sister when he talks oh. about the boys. You know, uh, well, when, when we were in Scotland and May. And she sort of got the hots for David. The uh, girl. I don't know what her name is. I forget her name. Oh, I forget Louise too. or something? Yeah. I think uh, that's it. The little town of, of Granton that, that we stayed in, in northern Scotland. 
I don't know if you ever. Well, yeah, you were walking around like uh, it was like Granton. Yeah, Granton. Well, it was a pretty good size. Town. Did you did you see the teenagers hanging out there? Well, they like, were always the they were always wearing the, the <coughs> school uniforms, but they had sort of the dresses were sort of short. I was so yeah, surprised. I was I was There's like a leg showing. <coughs> excuse me. I was uh, yeah. I was looking at the high school girls, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're all just like cocktail waitresses. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was sort of strange. <coughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know. The guys all look like a bunch of. Puds, yeah, with all these like, <laughs> yeah, they all are like like old pasty looking. I guess this is how teenage boys. Oh, look. teenagers are teenage boys are hideous. Oh God, I mean, yeah, just okay. around it. But uh, yeah, the high school girls. I mean, I was like, man, I don't know how I'd get any schoolwork done. I mean, they're all like oh, if you're walking. A high school boy. Around, yeah, they're all walking around in these like black cocktail outfits yeah, and really, vamped sure up. Strange, but so. uh, I guess I don't really remember the girls in high school being. Well, I'm not saying in the U.S. Oh, but yeah, I see what you mean. In yeah. in Britain, it, you maybe because they were dirty old guys. It could be a little bit dirty old men, lecherous, oh, lecherous yeah. geezers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there may be something to it. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, I remember uh, Gabe was making some comment. It's like, man, it's, all these girls are like under eighteen, but I can't stop looking at them. I'm like, <laughs> well, dude, you're not. You know, you're not, you, you, you don't. You're just. You are who you are, and your eyes going to drift towards whatever oh, they're going to drift to and just be honest about problem, it. They, you're right. They, they, it did seem a little provocative. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that it matters, really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like, it, like it drove me crazy. It's like I, was I like, couldn't think anything else the whole time I was in Scotland. Yeah, right. I just like, get my hands on some of like, that yeah. uh, young poontang. I couldn't I couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about it. It drove me nuts. Play a little grab ass at the past. I was going crazy out there at the lake. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah, maybe, maybe girls. Yeah, and, but anyways, that, that one girl she was sort of she she was sort of evil of course everybody was sort of evil in the town yeah uh yeah all right so we'll buy in um yeah but the uh the five work workmen i guess you yeah call yeah the, oh that rat catcher what a fucking what the, the hell was rat that guy's catcher. name i don't remember, I don't remember either uh okay so let's i guess we can set up a little bit of the story uh yeah, we're about the half hour mark so um the the five men these five men, one of them has a history with Amy, are working on the garage at Amy's father's Charlie? Is that the old house. Name? Yeah, Charlie. And they're fixing the garage. And they can see that uh, David's easily intimidated and he's uh, a bit yeah, of a coward. Want, yeah, he's not really outgoing. He certainly doesn't have very good social skills. And so his, you know, he has this super attractive wife. So his alpha dog. Yeah. His alpha dog cred is is immediately on the line, and so um, the bullies kind of gang up. Yeah, yeah. He he looks vulnerable. Plus, she sort of toys with him. Remember, she shows herself topless yeah. through the window to those guys. Well, and and so I think she wants to sort of push David into a confrontation. Right. And and so the, the so um, she's sort of acting like an animal as well. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm available if you can overthrow this guy to an extent. Yeah. Right. And so. Uh, and you get the first point. Boy, we would be fucking destroyed by feminists by saying something like that. Well, this may be our most controversial podcast <laughs> today. I might even put that on the disclaimer. Uh, everybody at jizzbill.com is going to come uh, kick fuck the shit off. out of me. I like that site, but they can fuck off. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, and the, you get the first point of confrontation is where, let's assume Charlie, for any lack of a better term, kills Amy's cat. Yeah, I, I I would guess it probably would have been more likely the uh, rat, the rat guy because he's nuts. Yeah, that guy's a fucking. Freak. That guy's just crazy. Anybody who plays with rats all day is fucking. Yeah, yeah. Plus, he's always making jokes about rats. Why are you catching rats? Why are you just fucking killing them? Why he wasn't you doing a very good job. They all seem all the ones seem to be alive. And he could caught. just grab them off the ground and throw them at yeah. you whenever he wanted. He's got to. like some sort of superpower where he's, he talks. He's like Aquaman, but with rats. I was like, I, I don't where want a rat catcher. I want a rat fucking exterminator killer. Yeah, they're not they're not catching them. He's just poisoning. Uh, whatever. Yeah, it's weird how he gets his hands on all those live rats. So they hang the, her dead cat up in the closet, mm-hmm. and this is the point. And and I was, I doubt Charlie had anything to do with that. I mean, Charlie may be a rapist, but he's not a sadist. Okay, so you know, um, Dustin Hoffman finds that, and I, I just let's do a little role playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have these fucking assholes outside. 
fix in your garage, and you just kind of you, you, and he keeps accumulating them too, right? Like and, after Charlie comes and looks his wife up and down, which well, you can't first, miss. He hires her him to come out to the house so, with his buddy, and they don't even agree on a price. So I was role That's just crazy. I was role playing these situations, okay. trying to find the differences between me and David. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, and and, and so. I, and I'll pose the same question to you. Like, what would you do? Okay, first of all, it would be uh, incredibly obvious that Amy had had a history with Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I would say, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, we had a thing in high well, school. I would have gone over and get right in the way in between them. Right. And I would have said, well, he's not working here. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's wrong? I was like, I don't want him here. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he, he creeps me out. Get him off my... Yeah. He's, he's fucking done. Yeah. And uh, that would have been the first thing. Okay, but let's say, for whatever reason, you let that slip and they work on your garage. What would you have done if you found the dead cat in the closet? Well, it's a sort of tough situation. He's always already let himself sort of be intimidated by them well, to a certain extent. What would you have done? Well, they just got to be fired. How bad does he need that garage? Would you have fired him? Or what I would have done is I would have waited till they all show up the next morning, and then I would have brought the dead cat out there. Yeah, bring the dead cat out. And well, I, look, say, I which, found this in my closet. And I say, which one of you fuckers, and if none yeah. of you admit it, get the fuck off my land and yeah. never come back. Man, I, and if it you would do, be tough because you'd be sort of, you could say there's sort of a lawlessness in the community because he right. had already seen what happened at the bar. Right. Exactly, yeah. and he also made another mistake. He didn't ally himself with the with the reverend. He was a, basically an atheist and sort of told the reverend off. He really needed to make friends with somebody. Look, you can't go into a small town and not make friends with somebody. You need to have somebody on your well, side. Well, that was as the fun other as thing. it is to think he can be a <coughs> and be You need friends. Well, that was the other thing. It was he didn't roll with the town. Yeah, he need he need to do the church thing and make friends with the colonel. You should have known right off the bat that these guys were bad apples. It's not he that some people on he needs somebody he can call on the phone when things. Are it's bad. not that hard to like. He came in and he basically had immediate contempt for everybody in the village, or at least that's the impression. Well, that Well, it's get. sort of tough going into a village, especially they give him the cold shoulder. I mean, it, look, it's not as easy as maybe we'd like to make it out to be. Plus, if somebody's coming into your bedroom and, and killing your cat, are you not going to be frightened? I wouldn't be frightened. I would be fucking livid, yeah. and I and I I, I would sort of I would frighten myself because I would be so angry. Like I'd be afraid I'd go after those guys with a fucking pickaxe and murder them all right in my driveway. I don't know. I think I think you would. You're certainly not a sort of person who would pickaxe somebody to death over a cat. No, but I would threaten them. I would threaten them in a way that maybe <sighs> would scare me. I would definitely. Yeah, it'd be tough. I would definitely. Well, for starters, they should at least be fired. For starters, I can't. I can't handle people who who abuse animals makes me I, those people for some reason i kind of throw in there with like pedophiles and and just some of the most disgusting human beings on the planet um so like i i, I found these kids in laramie once who were uh like they had treat a cat and they were trying to knock it out of the tree mm-hmm. so their dog could rip it apart yeah and they were like 10 11 and i got really scared because i ran up to them and i just I went off on them, mm-hmm. and I said, you guys better get the fuck out of here now. Mm-hmm. And they go, why? Because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Get home. Yeah. And they took off. Uh-huh. Like, they, they, you know, took off like a shot. And I, I, I think I was honest in that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't have to kill them, just... I would have, I, whatever. I would have been in jail regardless <laughs> of what would have happened. I would have turned into a uh, invalid. That's right. Do you like to use your legs? Well, you're That's not right. Have them I'll make you the village idiot. No, yeah. whatever. So, yeah. uh, um, I think my reaction right there would have been to the point that I I would have scared myself and yeah. hopefully but scared see, it these guys. But see, happened at night, and you would have had to think about it for the whole night. I think I would have drove into town looking because for because they would have been at the bar. I would have driven in town looking for them. Yeah, I with mean, a fucking sometimes. Bat. Yeah, yeah, you could have. Believe Let's me, see. you go into you go into you go into that bar with a bat. You might be the one getting your head knocked in. I, I don't think I would care. I think if you're really in the situation, look, you're, I mean, it might be fun to think that you're going to be, look, believe me, I have a terrible temper, and I'm totally blinded by that temper at times, but uh, really, I think you're rational enough. Mm. Have you ever really been in a, a real, I mean, you talk about those kids, maybe that was a rage. Uh, it, it freaked me out. I remember yeah. getting really freaked Being out about that. Being in a rage is, is a dangerous situation. But uh, I, I just don't think you would not be able to 
throw away your rationality. I would hope. Quickly. I would hope. But I definitely wouldn't do what fucking David does. Well, David doesn't want to... He's a, he's a coward. And he doesn't want to confront the situation. So, right there, to me, he's the villain. Because he could have short-fused this thing. Because breaking, he's breaking some social mores. He well, he could have short-fused this situation. Well, I, I can't call him the villain. It's somebody else's screaming oh, his cat up. All right. And with two of those guys rape his wife. So, okay, so let's get into that. So, so uh, I mean, I, I don't see where you can say David's. Certainly, David doesn't help the situation. And he doesn't, he has a, he has a great mate and he doesn't protect her if we want to continue going. Sure. I think it's a, an apt analogy because that's what Sam Peckinpah yeah, based the story off of. So, he say he's breaking the social contract by not being an alpha male. Right. Even though he has the best mate. If, that, if, that's, if that's what Peckinpah thinks, Peckinpah's an asshole. He may be very well be an asshole. Yeah. Um, but that's and it, I think only only a, a real asshole could hold that opinion truthfully. That that's why that he's the villain. he's the villain. Well, the, I, when you I, say he is the villain, you mean he's not one of the villains. He is the villain. That's just. Well, I'm not saying that, that. I'm not saying you're saying that, but you're saying Sam Peckinpah. All right, I I I picked up that quote and I'm looking. No, it's for a great it quote. I, I I don't. I just I just can't agree with it. Okay. Um, he's an unlikable kind of loathsome cowardly character he certainly is and okay so there's the rape scene so basically they they draw david out to go hunting which seems like a bad idea when go hunting with these fuckheads yeah i see he just makes endless bad decisions it's like he wants to uh chum up with the bullies which is the worst thing to do with bullies Yeah, instead of trying to i mean if you stand up to them well the only way to really if you really want to be their chums you got to be as nuts as they are right so he goes and out. He does, on a, he's not capable of that. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish by going shooting with them. That they'll somehow respect him more. Um, I don't understand. Yeah, that's a really. It's a bad idea. I mean, maybe if you were chumming up with some business associates that are assholes. But uh, there's nothing to be gained. Well, yeah, what, what are you trying to get out of these guys? Nothing. You can just throw them to the curb like so much trash. Uh, so he goes out there and they leave him there. Uh, they just well, abandon him. Yeah, they do abandon him. Uh, exactly how much plans did they always intend to abandon him? I think so. I think they're going to play a joke on him. Yeah. They, this is a joke they did in Boy Scouts, the old bag trick. This, this is a classic. I bet, I bet the Boy Scouts, I bet this is a play on a really old joke. There was, um, they always just, they did it with like the new Boy Scouts when you went to Boy Scout camp. They would take the new kid and they'd give him a bag. And they were going to go on a hunt. Is this, this the snipe hunt yeah, thing? Yeah, this, this is basically a snipe hunt. And you've seen it. Yeah. It's an old joke, and that's basically what they're pulling. They're pulling a snipe hunt. You know, there's some animal. We're going to run it. You sit here with the bag. You get him out in the middle of nowhere. It was done at night at Boy Scout camp. Right. And you just leave the person there. Yeah. In a few hours, they come wandering back, and everybody's in bed. <laughs> right. That's the big joke. Right. And that's exactly what they do. They do a snipe hunt. Uh, so, um, and in the meantime, Charlie... But Charlie, Charlie the, goes, well, hey, here's a chance to, to, to basically fuck Amy. Right. So he goes back to uh, the farmhouse, and this is the fulcrum of, I would call, the movie, which is the, uh, and the most controversial part of the movie. The rape scene? Yeah, it's the, the rape extended scenes. rape scene. Yeah, it's a pretty long rape scene. And, um, Boy, it must be tough for a woman, or I guess a man. Who's been raped? That'd be tough to watch. Well, shit. and and see, I'm just thinking, man, if you if you've never been raped, there's no way you could watch that scene. So I was uh, sort of put off by it. The, the 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 scene is prolonged. Some of the most of the criticism of this, which is still, um, uh, it hasn't it hasn't been muted through time. It's still controversial for a lot of people. Is the critics accuse Peck and Pop of glamorizing and eroticizing rape due to its intended ambiguity? Well, I mean, I think there there is ambiguity in rape. Well, <coughs> to a certain so, extent. And I guess the one thing that I I obviously don't understand. Maybe I'll understand it when I if I get thrown in prison and raped in the in the, in the shower. Um, well, but but you, there's a survival instinct that takes over. Mm-hmm. And for me to guess what that survival instinct is is impossible. So you see, Amy, basically, in this survi- in survival mode. And survival mode has this level of ambiguity to it, where there's what may be a placation of okay. uh, of of uh, uh, you know the attacker, 
Well, I mean, what's she supposed to do? She's got violence loaded over her head. Sure, and 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 Either so she she has to give in to a certain extent. I mean, and, and so the the kernel of I guess controversy that I'm going to inject into this conversation is um, maybe there's some basically hatred of David that's coming out in this scene. It's a lot of different emotions that go through her mind because uh, David left her to be attacked like this and yeah, so and, he, and, and he got he got tricked with one of the oldest tricks in the book yeah and so here she is being attacked sexually by one of these beta males that he let into the camp mm-hmm. and so it's confirming every fucking thing she's hated about him yeah. since they moved here yeah absolutely and so as part of this maybe part of this rape scene is her acting out whether it it as insincere as it is obviously because it's a rape scene because she's like she she kisses him back it's not necessarily insincere um and so i think that to me i was watching this and uh i was seeing more rage on her part Mm -hmm. towards david well there's certain that's part of it yeah then i saw i guess you know, ooh, yeah, you know, all chicks want it, which I think is the criticism that Peck and Paul was getting, which is that... No, I don't think you could see that. Well, I mean, look, I think... Well, you know, I don't really know, but certainly she has a flood of emotions. Right. Uh, she's with a person that maybe she's mated with before. Mated, uh, that's kind of... Well, I like, these, I like the animal look at it. All right. And um, she's so not, she's not happy a... with her husband, and this guy's you know, raping her, but he's lording violence over her, but you know, she's recalling maybe some old times where they actually had sex. Well, so it's, uh, there's obviously if there's a familiarity there, it's maybe not But you not certainly as... see the more raw violation when the second person comes right. by. And, 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 and that's the scene that is <laughs> to There's no to use pleasure a, or, to use or a, confusion from her there. A poor term in the parlance of our times. A legitimate rape, I guess, if you want to. Uh, a full bore what you think. Yeah, I mean, that's, as, sort of the, that's how people like to as view it. As a straight up That it's not a complicated situation. And that is not complicated because you see Amy's reaction. You see the second rapist, basically. Yeah, but she was raped twice. She was raped twice. I guess I don't see why people, if anything, it, it seemed brutally realistic to me. I think it did too, and I don't know where. Why would people would have a problem with where, it? Where I don't know where. If anything, people, I'm not sure what, what is not disturbing about that rape scene. Oh, it's completely <laughs> disturbing. No, <laughs> it's. Com- it's. Com- I mean, I, I guess I don't see why would people, other than the fact that it's terribly disturbing, what problem would people have with that rape scene? Um, You're saying they that they thought it made her look complicit to a certain extent, at least with the Charlie side of things? I think yeah, it's... Yeah, maybe if you want to see that... I mean, I think that's one of the emotions that goes through her head, certainly. Well, the only thing I can think of is, like, you know, what you typically get with like, criticism about blaming the victim, which is, like, you know, she was... You know, she she wanted it, or she, you know, had it coming, or, you know, the, these... Well, you know, the one, the one thing I always like to think about, and I've been uh, lately sort of getting into sort of ancient history, sort of around the Roman era. And, you know, you got to think about all the conceptions over humanity's history. I would guess the majority of those could be classified as rape. Sure. I would, I would, I mean, people would, if you won't get killed, you get raped when your town gets sacked. Yeah. And then you get sold into slavery. Sure. Well, it was a way that I civilized- mean, I think it's, we're, this, this is just a great example of seeing humans as animals. And I think that Rape is very much a natural behavior for the animal side of humanity. Well, and it's the way that civilizations melded. You go in there, you go into a village, you kill all the men, you grab all the women, you rape them. They bury your your children, or, you know, they basically become indentured servants at that point, and it's the spoils of war. It's it's loot. You know, women have always been kind of loot. I, I mean, guess, people, to a certain extent. I think this is part of the thing. People want to pretend that we're not animals. We don't have this side. And they want to pretend that the facade of civility is deep and, and unshakable, which, in fact, it's nothing but the thinnest of veneers. Yeah. And, and, and Sam Peckinpah removes that veneer in this film. And people are disturbed about it. But then when they get disturbed, they, you know, they act like an animal and they hate the thing that disturbs well, them instead and, of seeing the truth in it. And so that's what... I guess maybe maybe 
you know, like I've done a lot of reading about sort of the, I guess what you call the human animal. Um, and to me, if you just cast this more in that light, that, you know, we're basically, yeah, we're, we're more or less chimpanzees with a bigger forebrain, that these actions that you see here, if are sort of animal dynamics that aren't, shouldn't be alien to us because we, you know, the rest of the planet is inhabited with these creatures that pr- do the exact same thing mm-hmm. uh, to the same effect. And, you know, we just shrug it off as like, well, they're animals. We're not animals. We're people. And I'm like, well. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing that Sam Peckinpah is doing is he's removing. He's putting these characters in a situation where unrealistically to a certain extent, I don't think that this sort of lawlessness would really be allowed in a community. Well, you'd call the cops probably like yeah. when that cat showed up. I mean, you'd, but, you'd do uh, one of those, you know, where there's a crime committed yeah, you get the cops uh, out there and all that but stuff. But let's just say for a second that, that you had a weak alpha male and the veneer of civility was removed. How long until his mate was removed? Um, it happened pretty quickly. So, um, anywho, uh, how about the ending of this film? Okay, well, I just wanted to say here quickly that um, for the rape, regard Peckinpah's view on the rape scene, see, Peckinpah reportedly attempted to base to base it on his own personal fears rooted in past failed marriages. I don't quite know where that comes I'm from. I'm not sure what he's talking about uh, there. Well, that's, that's a, uh, a little insight, but I don't past know if he gave us marriages. much. Uh, well, anyway, who, uh, so... The, the end scene, the violence... No, 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 not the. App. I'm talking about the, uh, the abs- absolutely at the end after the oh. violence is completed. Can I say about like that the whole siege of the house? Yeah. How many fucking windows did that place have? Because they were breaking like almost. Uh, it was a good sized place. I was like, there's and so many breaking that whole windows. Greenhouse that they broke out all the windows in. Right. There were a lot of windows. I mean, remember they were all leaded, so each window was sort of individual. So yeah. each each actual window had like about twelve or more. Right, little windows that could have been individually broken. Um, the uh, one thing I'd like to say is, uh, I'm going to get it wrong, I think, but there's a there's a literary element. Car, I want to call it Karkov's pistol or Karkov. I think it's Karkov's pistol, and uh, it's this thing that is it's this point of uh, literary story, literature or storytelling that says you don't ever put a gun on the mantelpiece in the first act unless you mean to use it in the third oh, act. the man trap. And so you see the man trap in the very yeah. first scene, and it actually literally gets mounted above the mantel, the, 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 the mantelpiece yeah, in the yeah. fireplace. And I'm like... And Charlie almost gets bit by it. In one yeah, of and I'm like, oh, wow, this will be this will make for an interesting ending. Yeah, I think we're pretty clear that it's going to be used at some point, especially since they, they cock it put it up right. and it's functioning yeah, right. yeah that's, that's for sure but okay. at the end when he's when he's driving um david warner's character david warner's character back into town yeah and he's, he's left a, he's left the carnage at the house mm-hmm. and his wife at the house yeah she's sort of broken yeah right she's been raped and all this violence yeah and when she shot some dude david warner's character goes i don't know the way home because he's sort of an idiot mm-hmm. and uh david goes i don't know the way home either I have a feeling he's never returning to that house. He's leaving. Really? Yeah. Um, well, why else would he say he doesn't know the way home either? I would think it's because he's now in, in uncharted territory. Yeah. And he doesn't. Yeah. And he doesn't, doesn't know, know what's going to happen. Well, he next. doesn't know how to settle back into the old David Sumner character, the coward, yeah, he, he, the, the academician coward. There's a switch that I, I just, I just can't believe David had it in him. Because he says at one point, he says, like, "I can't believe I got them all." Like as a point of pride. Yeah, I, I, that's the one part of this film. I just don't see David switching. I don't see him turning into the animal. I'm not saying he's turning male. into an animal, but I'm saying he's turning into more of a. No, no, no. During the fighting scene, he certainly does turn into an animal. No, no, no. I, I know, but I, 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 not, not like he doesn't turn into a, a like a, a thug. He turns. I mean, in he the certainly future. does for the fight. Well, for the fight, but in the future. Well, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think. I think. I, I'm surprised. He, I, just, I had a hard time believing he had it in him. Well, I guess see, he, did, he does well, too. See, that's the whole. That's the. That's the other point about this movie. That he really is the alpha male. Maybe no, that's no. why he got that such a great female. Is because he really is deep down the alpha male, and maybe just more. Maybe this really introverted timidness is something that's come over him in his thirties. 
maybe he was beaten down by well, some situations. Well, okay, at like some that. point the worm turns, and you can take anybody and drive them to fight back. I don't know. So I think you could you could certainly take anybody and push them that way, but sometimes a lot of times people just break, and he just would have got killed. Uh, I well, and and maybe that's kind of the bigger scope of the film is the nature of violence, and is everybody capable of it? And I'd say absolutely yes. Yeah, well, and there's instances and examples over history. Everybody's capable of it, sure. Everybody's capable. Unless there's something Even developmentally atheists. wrong with them, or uh, or they're just uh, quite the extreme mystic. I don't know. Yeah, you're like Gandhi or something. I don't know. Um, so, uh, I guess violence is a means to an end. Uh, you know, people is like, people, and people I don't know, want- you know, like, uh, I always like to use the example of, of the Dalai Lama, who I I find kind of fraudulent. Oh, yeah, yeah, you sort of pissed at the Dalai I, Lama. I think the Dalai Lama's, uh, I, ca- I think, I'm, I'm going to call him a coward. Yeah, and I, I'm going to call him a coward because uh, they did try to resist the Chinese army at a certain point with violence and an army, and they failed. And as a result of that of that failed sort of defensive maneuver by the military, they were routed into India. And then ever since the Dalai Lama has preached nonviolence as a means of resistance to somehow. Uh, uh, push back against the Chinese and has been nothing but a complete failure ever since. So, well, <laughs> the situation he probably would have failed if he preached violence. Well, okay, it doesn't so, make it. I think in the end, I think he sort of saw that it doesn't make any difference. They're so fucked, you, you have no matter to, what. Well, you do. okay, you, you, I mean, what civilizations uh, get get ground out in this world? So what's okay? What's more noble resistance? What you have currently in Tibet, where you have the occasional monks setting themselves on fire in the uh-huh. middle of the street? or uh, occupied Palestine. Well, you know, the thing is, there's something to be said about about holding out, playing the waiting game. And I think that's sort of a game he's playing. Look, the People's Republic of China is only going to exist for so long. Well, King, uh, wow. you know, look, All right. nations come and go. I mean, just look at the nation of Israel. Disbanded in, like, what, the year 180 or something? And they fucking waited around yeah, for, 2000 for years. almost two thousand years, and they got their state back. But they, it's it, you know I think there's just something to be said about just holding out. And uh, like every every, I think that he decided that instead of standing up and getting ground into dust, which happens with civilizations, they did that they just wait out the People's Republic of China. Okay, and that's I, what that's what will happen. If, I think if, that he played he's playing the long game. All right. I, I, all I'm saying is it, it wouldn't hurt the Tibetans to throw a hand grenade or, hand grenade or two. That's well, all I'm saying. they're certainly in a bad way, but uh, I don't know if it's necessarily if your is you if your job is to win. I don't think necessarily violence is always the best way to accomplish that. Okay. Well, uh, but it's uh, if you want to be the dominant, then it's the only way to accomplish that. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, real quick, a depiction of violence. I didn't find anything over the top of it. I mean, it was of sort of unrealistic here. to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was, uh, you know, get, this movie came out roughly the same time as Clockwork Orange, so it got compared a lot. But I'd say the violence in Clockwork Orange is much more disturbing, mm-hmm. basically because the victims of the violence are much more... Uh, well, nobody's 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 innocent here, right? Even even the fifteen year old girl that gets strangled by the the idiot is playing a dangerous game because she wants to. He, she's trying to stir up some shit. And did he accidentally he, strangle her? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he didn't do it on purpose. He just he accidentally strangled her. Yeah, that's yeah. where you get the old mice and men. Right. Yeah, it's pretty um, much clearly a take on that. So the depiction of violence, I didn't find anything no, out, no, out the of the violence ordinary. was violence. Yeah. Um, certainly saw some blood, thank God. Yeah. I hate violence with no blood. That's just insane. Yeah, PG-13 violence is the worst. I've said that a myriad of times. This film got slapped with an X rating by the United Kingdom back in the day. Oh, pipe for the rape. Yeah. Yeah. So are you ready to hit some Ebert? Yeah, let's, uh, Ebert reviewed this in situ, so All let's right. see what he has to say. Okay.
well, Eber gave this two stars, which I guess is sort of a middle-end review. Uh, so let's hit a couple of highlights of this review that was from December 27, 1971. Sam Peckinpah's, he goes and talks about The Wild Bunch a little bit at first. Mm-hmm. Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch is uh, one of the great movies of the decade. I guess he's talking about the 60s. And um, it was unusual in a Western, which at the time ended with mostly just the bad guys getting killed. But The Wild Bunch recast it in a new mold, throwing out the moral extremes. He says everybody got caught in it, the violence. Men, women, children, dogs, chickens. Yeah. Regardless of their guilt or innocence. And he says, as a result, the Wild Bunch was attacked uh, because it sort of had a nihilistic uh, view of violence. Okay. And um, he said, for a long time, the old Hollywood production code required justice to be rewarded, the just to be rewarded and evil to be punished. And uh, which sounds like he's sort of going to go, well, this is going to be pretty good. He's right. like the Wild Bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says... Um, he says that this movie is a disappointment because a major disappointment in that in which Peckinpah's theories about violence seem to have regressed to a sort of machismo. Well, it almost seems like he likes it, the nihilistic. Yeah. But he but he doesn't like it taken this far. <clears throat> he says right. the movie ends with maybe twenty minutes of unrestrained bloodletting. Okay. And uh, and that violence is the only reason for this movie to exist. He says that's that's the reason it exists is to show, just show violence, just to show it. Yeah. Well, boy. Yeah, I don't know why he's so that, turned off by the violence. He's just sort of, he's just sort of. No, because he's the, just sort of ranting against the violence. Well, Anyways, this says the movie is set in a British village, apparently populated by only the movie's cast, which is true. He uh, does have sort of yeah. a small cast. Well, you get that. You get that scene in the. In the church, yeah, there's sure a lot of kids. Yeah, a lot of kids. Yeah, that's a weird scene. That's right after she gets Amy gets raped too. Yeah, just terrible. Right. He says the movie's first shot is of children torturing a dog. I didn't notice that. You know where it's 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 uh it's it's blurry at first. It's an overhead shot of people running around the town. Oh. I guess they're I guess they're teasing a dog there. Shit, I, I didn't, didn't notice. notice. He said okay. it's actually it's uh, the first shot of the wild bunch was children torturing a scorpion, torturing a scorpion. Okay. So, so it's sort of a peck and pot trademark. Okay. Um, and he talks about, uh, uh, you know, the character of uh, of uh, Dustin Hoffman, David's. He talks about, you know, him sort of fucking up his uh, relationships with people in the village. He says, during one brief scene in a local pub, he manages to do no less than three terrible things. He orders any kind of American cigarettes... Oh, yeah. He walks between the dart player and his board. I saw that. Oh, okay. That was pretty bad. And then he buys a drink for the house, but doesn't stay to have it. That actually happens in a later bar scene, not in oh, the first bar yeah. scene. Yeah, all right. Uh, he's, and I didn't know that was a bad thing to do, to buy a drink for the house and not stick around for it. it seems kind of douchey. He was, well, uh, Eber says, for such a bore, deserves his comeuppance. So I don't, oh, I don't know. I, I, all right. He says, also, he says, this, this movie sort of drops... Uh, trods down well-known tropes. He sort of dogs it for that. He says, we meet the village idiot, a towering, blank-eyed chap who once made a mistake with a girl. We meet the town tart. I guess he's talking about that 15-year-old girl who is a tight, sweatered tease. We learn that her father is the crudest man in the local pub. We sure do do, do, do learn that. And uh, we know that the idiot is going to go after the girl and that the brute is going to go after the idiot. I don't know if I... Uh, that seemed a little bit... Yeah, I mean, peripheral. they do sort of foreshadow that. What's well, kind of a plot mechanism. Yeah. I, I, the, the, I whole, guess, the whole he, idiot at the house is yeah. the reason for them to attack the house. Uh, <laughs> but, remember, but it is... The the man idiot is sort of an old trope. Uh, uh, yeah, the village idiot. Yeah. yeah, yeah right, so well, I guess whatever. you can understand that. Though I did, like, I did like the mean man. I thought that family was pretty good. That guy was a real dick. Yeah, yeah, he was a pain. Tom, was that his name? Tom. Uh, he says, anyways, there's a bunch of coincidences, and that uh, Hoffman decides to take a moral stand for once in his life, and decides that his home is a castle, etc. And he figures out all the tricks in his defense, such as boiling whiskey. I thought it was boiling oil. No, it certainly wasn't boiling oil, because he throws it at the burning drapes, it doesn't catch on fire. That's what I thought it was at first. And then I thought maybe it was boiling um, uh, vinegar. 
Oh, yeah. I, oil would have been a better one, like vegetable oil. Well, no, he threw it at burning grapes. It would have caught everything, would have caught on fire. It did catch on fire, and they had to put it out, I thought. No, no, the, the grapes were already on fire. The crazy rat oh, catcher right. started them on fire. Yeah, okay. So it was actually burning whiskey, which sounds pretty bad to get yeah, thrown in your would, eyes. Yeah, that would have been. Uh, and he says that he didn't, he didn't believe the characters. He said the problem with the whole scene, the violent scene, is that we have to believe the behavior of the men outside. He said, the hard thing to believe is that anyone would get drunk enough to get in a, that sort of frenzied state and still be sober enough to do anything. Which I don't know. I don't see why that's the case. Well... It was, there, it was, it was his daughter. It was the well-known village idiot. Yeah. And he's already a violent man. Is it that unusual that they'd want to... And who says they're going to... They're attacking a house with a weak alpha male and a woman. Well, which two of those guys have already raped. What, what, yeah. What danger are they really in? Uh, no, the only danger they're, they're only in danger is, once is the legal danger because they just shot the magistrate yeah. point blank. And well, after that, you know, see, that's I think the thing is they don't think they're in any danger. They're just going to go push this guy over. Sure. Yeah. And uh, the magistrate gives them a wide berth the whole film. So I, I think that in the end, uh, Tom makes a bad move and kills the magistrate, and then they decide they're going to get blood. If they're all going down, they're going to get blood. And what's the danger, anyways? We got a weak academic and some woman. They're not worried about getting hurt. It seems like Ebert's complaint is that these are all, these characters are too, um, what's the right word? Are, 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 are too, flimsy. too flimsy and two-dimensional, yeah. but I, I don't agree, and I don't think that's the point of the movie. I'm not sure why he has trouble with the violence. And that's the other thing, is, is that this movie is a, I think our take on it is... I think our animal take is a great way to take well, it. Well, and, and that's, it's more of a... Think of them as wolves. Yeah, or you, I mean, it's... To, I guess to put it bluntly, it's almost like we're watching a nature show. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're watching some scene on the Serengeti. Mm-hmm. You're not really watching, uh, I guess, complicated uh, social relationships occur here. Yeah. You're seeing things at their most base and primal, and that's what you're treated to. And I think that's the point Peck and Paul was trying to make. I, it, it's it's these are these are animal emotions. They're not human. Necessarily, yeah. I think I think this flew over uh, Ebert's head, which we've seen from time to time. Yeah, he kind Sometimes of. Sometimes I don't uh, think he takes a lot of time. Like with the Fight movies. Club, he had that same sort of like machismo bullshit. Yeah. I'm t- tired of seeing this on on my movies, and yeah. and like we're more complicated than this. That's kind of like his take is like pe- hum- human males are more complicated than what we're treated to. And my argument would be is like uh, at a certain level they're not. You know, and that's the point that's trying to be made. You know, um, God, he doesn't really say. He just complained about the final, what the Hoffman says right at the end, but he doesn't. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't come to any. In fact, he goes after he says, he he quotes the final lines where Hoffman says, "I don't know the way home either." He says, "What conclusions are we supposed to draw by that?" And then he doesn't say anything else. Wow. Well, so I don't know. He never. I mean, we thought about that. Maybe he he knows he's changed. And he doesn't know what direction. Time. I think that's a pretty. pretty yeah, home basic. again is a figurative thing. It's that's not a, a literal point of view. I don't view. see why. Is that that hard of a conclusion to no. draw from that? No. And uh, he closes it out, which says the most offensive thing about this movie is its hypocrisy. It say is totally. What? I'm not sure what he means by it. it is totally committed to the pornography of violence. What? But lays on. But lays on the moral outrage with a shovel. Not a, I that have no fucking clue sense. what that means. Lays on the moral outrage with, with a shovel? shovel. Yeah. Boy, I, that is totally non sequitur. I, I think that might be, this might be the worst Ebert review we've read. For shame, Ebert. Yeah, well, it was 1971. Uh, he, was, he was just just finished a blunt. Wasn't, he was getting a little right. paranoid he was, with all the violence. He, he, was, he was thinking somebody was breaking his back window at his house. And that's he, right. He well, was, Chicago was a tough town. He was getting, uh, uh, he, was, he, was, he was all getting stoned writing the uh, screenplay for uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And, oh, uh, yeah. Was, that, was he right then? Or was Russ, that, that was the Myers, uh, giant boo uh, He had huge tits in his face the whole time. He was right yeah. Just hold on a second, baby. That's right. I got to write this <laughs> shit up about Straw Dogs. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh, so that's sort of a disappointment. So I think, in fact, we were actually, 
Arn Lighten was actually dimmed a little bit by reading that review. Yeah. If, no, if that's I, possible. I'd just rather not read that review and move on. So, I don't know. I think we pretty much, uh, I think we got it at the dark heart of this movie. I think so, too. And I, I, It's I, a dark movie. I, 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 I don't know if I enjoyed watching this movie. I, I did. And I did because uh, I'm fascinated sort of by the human animal and I read a ton of stuff on, uh, oh, um, I, well, it, it's I would almost call it sort of evolutionary hubris. Um, almost sort of a neo kind of uh, creationism, thinking that human beings are so evolved that um, we're no longer beholden to our base animal instincts. When I say that, when I I think that uh, we're we re- will revert back to the animal once the facade of civilization falls away, quicker than anybody could ever imagine. Yeah, well, that's uh, why there's a huge. The endless reams of fictional material based on apocalypses. And there's mechanics at work that aren't alien to us, but are just below the surface, like the whole scenario we're treated to in Straw Dogs. That Some males um, could take your mate away from you. That will we'll revert back. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an easy place to revert back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our natural state, and it had been for you know 30,000 years. And you know, so I don't 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 be going thinking that that. Hold oh, uh, just a second. You don't think man is inherently good? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm you, just a, you horrible cynic. You get, you get out of the, you get out of my house. Just out get, of my house. Just a terrible cynic. All right. Uh, so so uh, uh, <clears throat> my question is, if man's not inherently good, how about man dressed in a giant rubber suit? That's a different story altogether. Crawling out of the sea. Yeah. Uh, next week we're going to review. We're going to take take go a little lighter. Although you know something tells me that we're not going to be as light as we think reviewing Godzilla. Just Godzilla is a terrible parable. It's for a metaphor. The state of something or other. Yeah, I don't know. In no, well, in the nuclear. Uh, no, apocalypse. because we'll start talking about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, and that's, gonna, yeah. that's pretty heavy shit. Yeah. So, but we're gonna. We're, the Japs deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. We're done. Well, What's the next movie? No, <laughs> it takes that out of context. <laughs> Soundbite you. Boy, I'm going to have trouble getting for office. I'm going to have trouble getting my next job. That's right. Don't ever run for president. <laughs> Nail you to the wall. Uh, we're going to do Godzilla. 1954 is black and white Godzilla. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, that should be entertaining. I'm yeah, no, no, no. I've never seen it. I saw it when I was a kid. I think kid. I saw the one with Mothra in it. There's a shitload. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, they just go on and on. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's that then, huh? All right. Until next week. Bye-bye.